So, hey, this hat, I, I found this today. Um, this is one of my favorite hats, and I forgot I had it because I have so many. But this combines two of my favorite things. It's Taco Fly Fishing Company. Like, yeah, when I found it, I was like, oh, my gosh. I know. I was like, I should have thought of that. I could be a millionaire. Um, hey, uh, this week I had coffee with uh, a friend of mine. Uh, she used to come to the vineyard before she moved uh, to suffer for Jesus in Hawaii. Yeah. I know, she's like, oh, it's so tough. And I was like, oh, I bet it is. Um, but she moved to Hawaii, and she's working at a, a church in, in in Hawaii. And so she was here um, and to spend some time with her family. And so what we did is we got together, and she brought her brother. And her brother is a Lutheran pastor. And so we just spent some time at from the hearth, and we were talking about the Bible. We were talking about church. We were talking about ministry and and, uh, you know, we were just kind of talking about some of, the, some of the values that are found in the vineyard. And we were talking about the work of the Holy Spirit. And I was sharing how in my own journey as a follower of Jesus, um, what I discovered is I grew up in the vineyard and I grew up around charismatic churches. But then I spent a lot of time in seminary studying, studying other traditions. And I found out that all these other traditions have different ways of emphasizing the Holy Spirit too, and a lot of them are really good and helpful for charismatics. And so we were just talking about that. And this young man who looked like he was about uh, 23, 22, somewhere around there, uh, he walked over and he just kind of walked in and said, hey, excuse me, I don't mean to be rude, but would you guys mind if I just sit down right here um, you know, and just listen? I'm really intrigued by what you're talking about. And so I love to just listen. And we were like, yeah, absolutely. It's funny because the other gentleman, you know, is a pastor. So we both, like, went into pastor mode. We're like, yes, please. We would love to pontificate about the Bible, you know. We were, like, all excited. We're like, we have an audience. And uh, so he sat down, and uh, the other pastor just said, hey, so what makes you interested in what we're talking about? And this young man said, um, he said, well, you know, I, I go to this other church, and, and I just – recently got wrangled into helping out with the kids. And this Sunday, I'm doing one of my first lessons, and so I want to spend some time preparing for it. And I just was, like, laughing because I was like, yeah, I think maybe that's how a lot of us get into ministry is we get wrangled into it, you know. And maybe you're here this morning and you need to get wrangled into serving in some way. So I'm just going to let you know that this coming year, you're going to get wrangled, all right? We're wrangling around here. But the conversation was so life-giving. Like, as we were talking, I just felt so, it was just really, I don't know, it was really uh, encouraging because we were sharing about our relationship with God. We were talking about how to serve other people and to reach other people and how to be more intentional as churches. And we were talking about how challenging leading in churches can be over this season. And it was just really, it's just a really great conversation. And, and as we were talking, it, it was interesting to me how there was this, fascination and interest from other people about the vineyard and, and our theology and our practice. And so one of the things that we spent some time talking about were two of our values. There's these two values. They're just two of our values. They're not the only values that we have, but there's two that are particularly, I think, important and also have really done a lot to shape the wider body of Christ, the larger church. And the two commitments are, number one, this idea that everyone gets to play. Everyone gets to play. The idea that all, all followers of Jesus have been given the indwelling presence of the Holy Spirit, and therefore, no matter what you think, you have spiritual.
matter what you think, you have spiritual gifts. And you are called to serve in the church to help build up the church and to help equip people to do more ministry. That's part of what we're called to do. So that was something that we were talking about, this idea of everybody gets to play. And then talking about this idea of partnering with the Holy Spirit by keeping our eyes and ears open to see where God is at work and joining God in his mission to help other people come to know the radical love of Jesus. And, and, and so somebody recently asked me this question that I think is kind of interesting, is why is our church named Vineyard? Why is the church named Vineyard? So I want to talk about that question today. Why is our church called the Vineyard? Uh, but before we do that, I'd love to pray. So, Father, we thank you for your coming kingdom. We thank you for your son, Jesus. And we thank you for the, the indwelling presence, meaning that your Holy Spirit lives inside of all of your people. We thank you for that. And we thank you for these new opportunities, new new invitations, new, new beginnings, God, that constantly are available to us. And I thank you for second chances and third chances and fifth chances and, and hundredth chances that, that many of us need. And so I just pray that, Lord, this morning we would have an experience of your presence and an encounter with your kingdom in a way that would leave us transformed. We pray this in your name. So why the name Vineyard? Uh, I was talking to a number of Vineyard pastors recently, and and I was kind of curious if they knew the answer to that. So I grew up in the vineyard movement. My parents started going to a vineyard when I was a little kid. It's the primary vineyard. Uh, the vineyard is the primary church body that I've been a part of for most of my life. And, and, and so I've kind of, I know a lot of our stories. I've spent a lot of time reading our history. But it's interesting because our movement is now over 40 years old. And so there's a lot of younger people coming in who don't quite know maybe the history. And so I was surprised that many even many vineyard pastors don't know the history and the story as to why we're called the vineyard. And on top of that, do you want to know what most people who call the vineyard churches want to know? They want to know when the wine tasting is. We have had random people like, oh, do you, what time do you do wine tastings? Or people will just randomly walk in our foyer and they're like, like trying to figure out like, where's the wine at? Okay, and so there's a lot of people who actually make that assumption. Uh, another friend of mine actually shared that his church uh, is called Global Fire Church, and somebody in his church asked if they just focus on global warming. So names apparently have some importance, right? And so let's think about that question. Why the name Vineyard? So the Vineyard, as I just said, is a movement of churches. There's, there's over 3,000 vineyard churches all over the world. In the U.S., there's 50, 550-ish vineyard churches. Uh, but one of the things that we're, we're known for is our, our values. And our values really come down to a, a set of beliefs and practices. Like one thing that we really, really, really want to lean into is that we do not believe it's just enough to believe something. We believe that belief impacts the way that we sense? Like, it's one thing to say, oh, I believe in Jesus, but if your life doesn't match up with that, who do you truly believe in, right? And so the same thing is true about our, our theological or doctrinal values, is that each one of these five core vineyard values 
have practices that go alongside them. And so, as you can see, we, we focus on partnering with the Holy Spirit. We really believe that we should experience God's presence as we worship God. We really want to see the world um, reconciled to God and all of creation. Those are biblical mandates for us. Um, we want to engage in compassionate ministry. As a side note, I want to just draw your attention to the fact that in the Gospels, multiple times, Jesus is out walking amongst the people, and he sees people, and it says that he is moved by compassion. And then he heals them and, and ministers to them and, and extends grace to them through his, his commitment to that passionate ministry. Um, and then finally, we want to pursue culturally relevant mission in the world. And what that means is essentially that when we say culturally relevant, we don't want to be answering questions that were being asked 500 years ago and ignore questions that are being answer, asked today. Does that make sense? Like we really want to be able to wrestle with the things that people are struggling with in today's world. So those are our five core vineyard values. And they really significantly shape the way that we, we think and the way that we act. And then on top of that, our church has always been, our, our, our vineyard churches have always been committed to the blending together of an emphasis on Scripture and an emphasis on the work of the Spirit. So this commitment to historic, classic evangelicalism and the charismatic tradition, these two things coming together. But the question I want us to think about for just a few minutes here is why the name Vineyard? And the name Vineyard actually comes from a prophetic word that was given to one of the early founders of the vineyard, a man by the name of Ken Gullickson. And Ken actually started the first vineyard in the late 70s. And early on, the, the vineyard movement was actually part of Calvary Chapel, the Calvary Chapel set of churches. And so Ken Gullickson had planted this church, though, before it had, had kind of connected and, and, and you know, become a part of Calvary Chapel. But he had planted this church, and he was really trying to figure out what they should call themselves. And a, a lot of people in his church community were throwing out names, and just none of them really resonated. And so what was happening is he was praying, and he was reading through the book of Isaiah. And as he was praying, and as he was reading Isaiah, he asked God and said, God, what would you like to call this church? What would you like to call this church? And so as he was reading Isaiah, he stumbled upon this passage in Isaiah 27, verses 2 and 3. It says, in that day, sing about the fruitful vineyard. I, the Lord, will watch over it, watering it carefully. Day and night I will watch so no one can harm it. Think about that for a moment. Isn't it a beautiful passage of Scripture? So just listen to that again. In that day, sing about the fruitful vineyard. I, the Lord, will watch over it, watering it carefully. Day and night I will watch so no one can harm it. I just love. And, and this verse is, is in context about the nation of Israel. But, but he had this sense that it somehow applied to what God was doing in that local church at the time. And, and so as Ken was reading Isaiah, that name Vineyard started to pop out to him. And I don't know if you've ever had that happen where you're reading scripture or if you're just kind of reflecting and something kind of starts to get highlighted. Like you have this growing sense that God is about to speak to you or this sense that there's something unique about this moment. And that, what was that was what was happening. And he, being a follower of Jesus for a while, had just he just knew that God was about to say something. And, 
And this is what the Lord spoke to him, though. Listen to his words. This is what he wrote down. He said that the Lord spoke to him and said, you're the vineyard. Everything the Father wants to do in the life of the church can be seen in a vineyard. Ground preparation, sowing, husbandry, pruning, the production of the fruit, grafting beauty, the joy of God. And that was a significant word for him. In fact, he wrote it down, and it was one of the things that led to our church, which was connected to this movement. And so our, our name comes from the book of Isaiah and the prophet the, or the prophetic word that was given to one of our founders. And, and as we, you know, think about our, our story as a church, I, I want to just do this. It's 2023, right? I kept saying 2023 all this morning, but I finally, I've gotten over it. It only took me a couple hours. It is 2023, and we are connected to a movement of churches that goes back very, 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 very short in the grand scheme of church history. We're 40 years old. That is nothing in church history, right? But we have 40 years of, of history, and we're connected to this. And I, I just for a moment want you to, to, to hear a little bit more about our story because this has given me such profound hope for the moment that we're in. We're connected by our history to a historical revival that took place amongst a group of people called the Jesus people. And this happened in the, in the late 60s or the 60s and the 70s. What God did in our country is, is profoundly impacted the nations because so many people were indelibly marked by this transformative outpouring of God's, God's, God's kingdom. I mean, for example... This revival primarily took place amongst those who were deemed unreachable. Remember those people called hippies? Yeah. Barefooted, didn't wear t-shirts. I heard some of them didn't shower. Okay? They were beach bums. Many of them were addicted to alcohol and massive addictions to drug use. And what God did is he showed up amongst this group of people that most churches in that time said, this group of people are unreachable. We're not even going to waste our time trying. And there are so many stories that I've read of, of churches turning hippies away at their door because they weren't wearing shoes and things like that. So this revival happens, and, and many of these people were freed from their addictions. Um, there's incredible stories of supernatural healings that took place all amongst this time. In fact, there's several really good um, books that were written by scholars who went back and studied and looked into all these stories that have a lot of evidence to support that people were, were radically healed from cancer, from, from massive chronic illnesses, or, or things like, you know, broken legs and, and bum knees and things like that. But there's incredible stories. And so all over the world, because of that outpouring, thousands upon thousands of churches have come all over the world because of what God was doing amongst this community of people who were unreachable. And I'm, I'm telling you right now, we need an outpouring of the Holy Spirit right now. Like, I'm, I'm like, man, I look around and I watch the news and I'm like, we are so screwed. Like, oh my gosh, it's getting worse. And depending on if you watch Fox or CNN, you think you're screwed for different reasons. But the point being is that we're all pretty much committed to the idea that we got problems. And I'm telling you right now, the only solution to all these problems is an outpouring of God's Spirit. And that's what I'm praying for. This year, 
I am committed to praying for more of the Holy Spirit's work in the future. So I want to go back to, to this idea where, where, where he says this. He says, the Lord says to, to Kim, everything the Father wants to do in the life of the church can be seen in the vineyard. And that's springboarding off of this, this word in Isaiah. This word in Isaiah. I want us to think about that for a minute because I think there's something really important about, about being a vineyard. And not in the sense of we're better than anybody. I want to be very clear. I've been in the vineyard long enough to know that we're just as messed up, if not more so, than all the other churches. Okay? Like, I'm telling you right now, we got problems. We got problems here locally. We got problems, you know, internationally. I mean, it's just, it's church. And any time that you, you, you find a perfect church, you ruined it by going there. Okay? Because people, people are complicated. So I, I want us to think about this word, vineyard. Because the word vineyard is, is important in the, the Bible. There's actually a, a biblical theology we can kind of draw out from it in order to understand what type of community that God's called us to be. And the first thing we need to realize is that vineyards, vineyards were important, uh, an important part in the ancient world. They played a huge role in the ancient world. I mean, vineyards were, were a place where you could receive sustenance and you could, you could find a vocation. And there's all these really really important things about about vineyards that are found in the ancient world. Um, I mean, over time, they became a symbol of blessings, of wealth, of joy, and of prosperity. And there's a ton of biblical texts that you can look to where, where we see that, that vineyards are a place of thriving, a place, place of blessing. Um, vineyards were also where the underprivileged could receive provision. This is really interesting. Like in the ancient world, the social service system that existed was actually created by God, where it's, it's read right in those verses right there where God would say, don't take everything from the vineyard. Like if you're the owner of it, leave things, leave it a little bit, because if there's people who have need, they could go to a vineyard and they could they can receive, and that's how they were able, able to be provided for. So those who were underprivileged had a place to receive. And then finally, we see this happening a lot in the prophets, especially Isaiah, that the people of God were referred to as a vineyard, and they were expected to be fruitful. And Jesus picks up the same metaphor in Luke chapter chapter 6. And so for the past two weeks, for the past two weeks, I've been, been meditating on this and, and just been trying to listen, because I really felt like the Holy Spirit started speaking pretty clearly to me about a number of things. And, and I, I felt like what we need to do is we need to, to remind ourselves of what we're committed to as a movement and as a local church. Like, what are the things that we're supposed to be about? How many of you remember when Jesus was a young boy, he disappears from his parents, and they're, like, trying to find him, and then they're like, okay, well, they, finally, they finally get a hold of him, and they said, where were you? And how many of you remember what Jesus said? about my father's business, right? Like, we are supposed to continue the ministry of Jesus. You are called to continue the ministry of Jesus. And that's something that we have to keep, we have to recenter ourselves because I can tell you right now for, for all of us, it doesn't matter if you're a pastor or not, it is so easy to drift, right? We just drift and, and we need to get, we need to get a reminder of the overall calling and mission what we're supposed to be about. And so I want us to think about this just for a few minutes. I want to flesh this out. 
I, I think that what this prophetic word is calling us to is this idea of spiritual formation and development, discipleship. We are supposed to be being formed and shaped into the image of Jesus. That's what we're supposed to be doing. So the question is, are you committed to being formed and shaped into the image of Jesus? And if you're not living your life in a way, pattern, or rhythm that is doing that, guess what you need to do? You have to change your rhythms and your patterns. And that has to happen in in a community that is similar to this vineyard concept. And then I love how it's this emphasis of planting seeds. What Paul says to one of the churches in the New Testament is that is that some people plant seeds and other people water those seeds and other people get to harvest those seeds. But we want to be a part of that process. And then there's this word husbandry. And some of you probably are like, what? Like you go to the church to find a husband? You know? But this idea of husbandry, it's an ancient, somewhat ancient, cultivation agricultural word. And it has to do with pairing and cultivating and multiplying crops. But in the church setting, it has to do with multiplying people. People. Disciples, right? We want to care for human beings. We want to cultivate human beings. And we want to multiply community of peop- communities of people who are committed to Jesus. And then I think this word pruning is important for us too. So last night I was I was reading the book of Hebrews and I stumbled on this verse that I used to I remember reading it, but I had just kind of had it been on my mind for a while. But in Hebrews twelve six we, we, we it's a Hebrew verse. Where the writer of Hebrews says, For the Lord disciplines those whom he Is, and it's this beautiful thing where, where the writer of Hebrews basically says, what good father doesn't discipline their children? And it's not like, I'm not talking about being a fundamentalist church where we pound on the pulpit and yell at people and tell them that they're all burning and going to hell. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about how the situations that we go through are, are sovereignly orchestrated by God. And oftentimes the situations we go through are how God carries out disciplines in our discipline in our life to actually form us and shape us to trust him more, right? And to, and to believe in his goodness and to experience his ultimate vindication and salvation. And so this pruning thing is something we really need to do. But Psalm chapter one has this idea of being planted by streams of living water. But what the psalmist does is he says that people have to determine to surround themselves with people who are going to help shape them and form them in a positive way and avoid the scoffers and evildoers. That's what Psalm 1 says. And so the idea of pruning is this. We have to self-prune, and we also have to receive God's pruning as well. That's, that's part of the, the vineyard value communal vibe. And then it talks about grafting and beauty and that there's joy that comes from the fruit of our labors. And I just love, just love this this metaphor and, and reminder that I it just felt like the Lord really wanted us to come back to. So I want to back up just for a few minutes. And, and man, I was, I've been thinking a lot about the last few years. Uh, Wes and I had this conversation um, the other day about how, like, we just went through some pretty challenging times over the course of the last three years. Now, if you're a person who's like, didn't affect me, I'm good, awesome. Love you. 
think you're weird, you're crossing the line, but, but God loves you. But I want to just tell you my experience the last few years. Because I've been, like, trying to figure some things out. 2020 was the worst year of my life. By far. Like, the worst. Okay? I mean, I just, I, it was like, I mean, it was extremely challenging for a number of uh, reasons. I mean, the global pandemic obviously was, it was, it was what it was. You know, if we knew, if we know now, if we knew, if we knew then, what we know now, maybe we do things differently. But it was just challenging to figure out how to lead a community of people that would be caring for them. And when we have so many political opinions, and I mean, it was nuts because people would say things about my politics that were just not true all the time. And that was like, well, you know, they were they were wearing a mask, therefore they're liberals. You know, and it's like, it's crazy. I just really did not thrive at all. And then at the end of the year, my dad gets cancer. And that was a kick in the face. It was a kick in the face. It was like, just, it was so heavy. And in transitioning from like being in this really terrible situation for nine months long, and then having my dad get cancer, and then going into the season of trying to care for him. I was flying back to Minneapolis, many of you know this, flying back to Minneapolis like every two weeks and watching my dad what it seemed like was just dying right in front of us. And seeing that was like, I wasn't ready for that. And and then there were a lot of, you don't realize, but we did a, I did a lot of funerals in 2020 and 21 for people who died of COVID who weren't part of churches. And that just weighed. It was really, really heavy. And and then we, we lost other family members in my family. Other friends passed away. Um, I knew about 25 people who passed away from COVID. Like, I knew. I'm not talking about a friend of a friend of a friend, but people I knew. And it was just a really rough season of life. And and so at the end of 2021, I started to have this, you know, it was like this assumption that I think, this is what I think for a lot of people, 2020 contains the equivalent of five years of stress and anxiety and grief. It's all bottled into one, Okay. And because this is what's been happening amongst a lot of my friends who are pastors. And a lot of churches that I, before 2020, I was connected to, and I would never consider that they would be closing. But now what's happening is I have all these friends who are pastoring who are resigning or quitting, and their churches are closing. Like, I'm talking about every week it's a new, it's a new couple things. And then on top of that, friends from seminary who them and their spouse are now being divorced or have been divorced. I mean, it's just like the last couple of weeks has been like, whoa, really? So it got me thinking, and I've been processing a bit about the, mostly 2020 and 2021. I'm just telling you, this for me is really terrible. Absolutely terrible. The whole entire time, I was like, how long, oh Lord? Like, I do not want to do this. I am, I am, I am, I'm missing the people. Saying yes to what you say, I need to say yes to, but I am, whoo. So I just kept trying to, to stay faithful, but emotionally, it was like totally survival mode. And that's what I've come to realize is that, for me, it was about two and a half years of just being in survival mode. And, and, and it's like, I hate to say that, but I also feel like one of the things that happens in churchianity is that pastors can't be human. And it's stupid. Okay? It's unhealthy. It's really unhealthy. So I wasn't doing well. And I was, I was, I've seen, I saw therapists, and I was getting spiritual direction, and I was in prayer. And I wanted to say this. The reason why I feel like I'm 
here and I'm like live is because of many of you in this room. Like truly, it was friendships. The Lord, the Holy Spirit worked through friendships. I mean, one could Doug Bauman. I'm gonna cry if I talk about this. Doug, don't look at me. But Doug and I got together all the time and just prayed, and it was like even though there's a talk about how my life was going, it was really, it was really helpful for me. Many of you, there's a lot of you, I, I, there's too many to name, but um, we, we survived. And so I've, I've had this thing happen, though, the last couple of, of months in my life. Like, significant, serious encounter with God's type stuff. Like, stuff that, it's been a while. And I feel like a sense of renewal and a sense of repentance. And it's God's faithfulness and it's His goodness. I mean, I can, I can just tell you that I, I just have this sense that God is not done with us. And He loves us. And He, and he, has, he has purposes for us. And it's been really, I can't think I'm cry. I'm sorry. I hate crying. I know it's okay, but I don't like it. Please. My point is that I've had this sense of God's renewal and God's healing. And so two weeks ago, I was praying. And prayer is this practice of, of asking God and talking to God, but taking the time to listen, right? Like it's communication, and communication isn't supposed to be one way. So I was talking to God. I'm like, God, what are we supposed to be doing? What am I supposed to be doing? I feel like I'm, I'm just confused, and, and I have no vision, and I, I'm just really like, Lord, I need, I need some direction. I know how to do church. I'm talking about what are the things specifically that you're calling us to as a church? And I felt like the Lord, um, I just, I don't know, it was like I sensed the Lord speak to me. And it was like this gentle nudge. And I, I heard the Lord basically say to me that you have been neglecting some things both personally and as a church leader. I want you to lean into those things now. And the beauty of it was that it wasn't this nudge that was condemning or shameful. It wasn't like I felt like the Lord said, you suck. I just felt like it was like Lord, the Lord acknowledged that, you know, for survival purposes, you have been really just in this space, but you are, you are ready now to encounter. And it was like, I was undone, like the Lord, you know, and his faithfulness to us. And, and it's like any moment, at any moment we can encounter him. At any moment, we can experience His grace just sovereignly and spontaneously. And it was really good, and I just felt really encouraged. And, and I think there's a difference um, when the Lord speaks to us where it's a, a, it's, a, it's a work of God's grace because we don't feel condemnation and all that type of stuff. I just felt, um, I felt good. I felt, like, encouraged. So, so Don and I and a, a few key leaders here have been really leaning into that question, what has been neglected? And there's a number of things that we just feel like, okay, we need to be more intentional about the processes of discipleship and, and the next steps for us as a community. And, you know, these things we've spent a lot of time praying and we're focusing on and we're planning. And there's going to be some things that we roll out in the next couple of weeks that I think are going to be really helpful for us as a church to be more intentional to be disciples and to make disciples. So it's really exciting. But I want to tell you this morning that we have a brighter future. Like, I'm convinced of that. I, I just know. And I think that we are going to grow and that God is not done with us and that we, we all need to pursue our own healing and our own renewal because you can't give away what you don't have. 
so it's important for us to lean into that. Well, I want to have a stand right now for a minute. And I we've gone a little bit later than usual. I apologize, but I don't apologize. And I feel like we just have, we need to have a little space for the Spirit right now just to maybe do what He wants to do in your life. So I want to encourage you to close your eyes right now if that helps you, you know, posture yourself a bit before the Lord.